I'm excited uh, to share a message with you called Life on Purpose. Life on Purpose. I, I don't know about you guys, but I find it really easy uh, to kind of flip the switch onto autopilot or, or onto cruise control, right? I wish autopilot was in the car because then I could nap on my journey to wherever I was going. Uh, but it's just cruise control. It doesn't work that way, right? I mean, you've got to pay attention to what's going on. But life's a lot like that. If we're not careful, it's really easy to flip that switch. But I want to challenge you this morning from a passage of Scripture found in Philippians uh, chapter 3. When the, Paul, when the Apostle Paul writes this letter to the church at Philippi, he's writing from prison, this very personal letter, this letter that's characterized often as joy because of the expression of joy that he writes and the enthusiasm that he writes with pertaining to faith and life. And he's here he's locked up and he's in prison. And we're going to take a look at that for just a moment. But I want you to think for just a minute here about a New Year's resolution. A New Year's resolution is a tradition in which a person resolves to change an undesired trait or behavior to accomplish a personal goal or otherwise improve their lives. How many of you guys have ever participated in a New Year's resolution? Come on, I want some honesty here this morning. Okay, this, this half the room's not being honest this morning. That's good to know. All right. Because I know, I know that all of you in this room, maybe you didn't officially write it down, but somewhere along the lines, you looked in the mirror and you thought, I should lose some weight this year. You know, somewhere along the lines, you said, you know what, I would like to make some more money. Or somewhere along the lines, you thought about your life and your future and you wanted to make improvements. And it's not hard to go onto Google and make a search for New Year's resolutions. And you'll come up with a list of 50 different items on the top 10 search. And there's some really good things to think about. But life on purpose is more than just simply a New Year's resolution. In fact, I would challenge each of you uh, this month, especially with the week of prayer, to be thinking about establishing maybe just one life goal for 2018. Did you hear me this morning? Establishing one life goal for 2018 that you're going to strive to accomplish. Something that maybe you won't even accomplish in 2018, but you'll set the structure in place and you'll begin to push towards that new behavior or that new habit in your life because it's a life goal, something you desire to achieve that not only will improve you, but maybe improve your marriage or your family. This isn't something that you can just choose on a whim. This is something that you're going to have to seek God in prayer. But life on purpose is, is, is more than that. It's looking unto Jesus, the one and only who can bring about true life transformation. You know, there's a lot of self-helps out there. There's a lot of different things that you and I can do to try to manipulate or change our behavior. But I want you to hear something. There's only one person who can truly transform you from the inside out. And his name is Jesus Christ. And I want you to start thinking right now as we're getting into this message this morning. I want you to start thinking about an encounter with Jesus. I want you to start thinking about having a moment with Jesus. Because why? Because when you have a moment with Jesus, your life will be for forever transformed and changed. And what if, church, we got so hungry? What if we got so desperate and we said, Jesus, we are so desiring to encounter you because we want to live differently in 2018 than we lived in the last 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years of life. God, we want to encounter you fresh and anew. We want your anointing. We want your hand. We want your will accomplished in our lives. It all is going to start and begin with an encounter with Jesus. So here's a thought for us this morning. Life on purpose is intentionally looking to the one 
who has created your purpose and setting goals that will ultimately lead you to accomplishing that purpose. Let me read that one more time. Life on purpose is intentionally looking to the one, Jesus, who has created your purpose and setting goals that will ultimately, ultimately lead you to accomplishing that purpose. Little side story. Uh, my son, Isaac, he's almost seven years old. It was so amazing. We got to spend the last week and a half together with him being away from school. And, you know, it's just amazing when you get him out of that environment and just get to hang out with him, sit down to every meal together and just do life together. It was just, oh man, my wife and I were just talking about how much we're dreading the fact that school is starting again on Tuesday because we have thoroughly enjoyed time with our kids. Well, my son Isaac, for I want to say since summertime, he kept sharing with me he kept, at nighttime when I'd put him to bed. We've got a nightly routine where we sing songs and we pray and we just spend some time with our kids before they go to sleep. But every night at bedtime, he kept saying, Dad, I want to go roller skating. Hey, Dad, I want to go roller skating. Any, any roller skating fans here? I, I just need to know. Come on, there's a few of you out there. I just want you to know, it's okay. Roller skating is still awesome. Okay, it's still amazing. And uh, believe it or not, you can go right down to Eugene and there's still a skating rink and it's still functional. Well, finally, this, this, this last weekend, we happened to go down to Eugene um, to Skate World. My kids had no idea. And so we get there and my son's like, I'm like, what do you think we're doing? He's like, I don't know, but I'm so excited, you know. And uh, we get in there and we put roller skates on the kids and, and uh, they're all excited about what we're going to do. And then we get out on the skating rink. And they're, I mean, they're all over the place. I mean, they're hugging the wall. They're hugging my legs. I mean, they're falling down. They're flopping around. I mean, it took us, I kid you not, my wife goes, Stephen, she goes, this skating session is going to end before we get around the rink one time to get out of here. I mean, it took forever, right? Um, but you know what was interesting is um, our kids these days, they think that because they've seen something on TV or they played a video game, that they can just somehow do it, right? Are, are you guys with me? They kind of have that idea. Well, I, I played it on a video game, Dad. I can totally do that, you know? And uh, I get him out there and he finally realizes that this is not a possibility. He's going to have to really put some effort and practice into it. But see, life on purpose is a little bit like that. You and I can't just be on autopilot. We can't just be on cruise control. We have to be intentional, intentional to look to Jesus, intentional to have that fresh encounter with our King and our Savior. We got to be intentional to look to Him, to say, God, what is my purpose? What is my life goal? What is it that you desire for me to do in 2018? What is your will and plan for my life? And for others in the room this morning, God's already given you that purpose. God's already given you that goal. But here's the thing. You need to be talking to him and asking him to revitalize and bring fresh passion and fresh anointing to that purpose and plan. Because why? Because it's grown tired and weary. And I want to challenge you. That's, that's God's plan. He wants you to succeed. He wants you to be excited. So let's get into our message today. Philippians chapter 3. I hope you brought your Bibles this morning. If you didn't bring your Bible, there's a Bible under the seat right in front of you. Or you can use your smart device just as long as you're not on Facebook. I mean, it's, I guess if you're on Facebook, that's between you and Jesus, okay? And uh, we'll forgive you later. All right. But in Philippians, Paul, who was formerly Saul, is writing this letter. And, and Paul, excuse me, Saul, early in his life, had thought he had discovered his purpose. I mean, this guy, he, he made his, his family proud. He made his countrymen proud. He was well-respected. But all of a sudden, when Saul met Jesus, he discovered that his life on purpose wasn't God's purpose for his life. 
and it began to change. And in his writings to, Philippian, to the Philippian church in Philippians 3, we, we discover Paul's life purpose. We discover Paul's life goal. Let me read it to you. Philippians 3, verses 7 through 8, it says this, But whatever gain I had, whatever gain I had, I, count, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. What an amazing statement. This is Paul's life purpose. This was Paul's life goal. This is coming from a man who had the respect of his peers. This was coming from a man who had the respect of his elders. This was coming from a man who people looked at and said, you know that Saul guy, he's arrived. That Saul guy is pretty impressive dude. And yet Paul is writing, he's saying, hey, look, guys, since the very moment that I encountered Jesus, I've realized something. Everything that I have tried to achieve, everything that I've worked hard for, I realize now that it is all loss. I realize all that now that it is rubbish apart from knowing Jesus, apart from serving Jesus, apart from walking with Jesus. That is what we see in this, in this scripture. That is Paul's life goal. It is his purpose. And so as Paul goes on in this thing, in, in, in Philippians 3, he gives us this roadmap that I want us to look at together today that I believe is going to help each of us begin to follow along as we discover not only our life goals and our life purpose, but how we're going to begin to achieve that in 2018 in the years to follow. All right? So here's the thing. We need that first fresh touch, first fresh or first time encounter with Jesus. That's got to be top of the list. You and I need to encounter him today, tomorrow, next week. We need to encounter Jesus. We don't just need another church service. We need to have an encounter with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And once we encounter him, we're going to begin to understand what his purpose is for our lives what his goals are for our lives. And then you and I can begin to strategize about how we're going to achieve those goals, about how we're going to see that done, not only in 2018, but in the years that are going to press on. All right, Philippians 3.12. Let's, let's go to our key text here this morning. Philippians 3.12 um, through 14. He says this, Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I believe there's three things here this morning that you and I can grab a hold of with both of our hands that we can take and apply to our life goals and to our purposes, that we can see accomplished or begin to be accomplished in 2018. So the very first thing that I see here this morning, and if you're taking notes, that's good because you'll remember more later and you can refer back to it later because all, we forget things. But the first thing I see out of this is number one, and that is make it your own. Make it your own. Whatever your life goal is for 2018, whatever the purpose you feel in your life that God has given you, you and I need to make it our own. You know, last year, my wife and I got real excited. We're like, you know what? We need to start exercising, right? We need to, we need to start doing something. 
And uh, so we, we decided to make a really worthwhile investment and we paid for uh, a yearly subscription to Daily Burn. We're going to work out every day at home and uh, right in our very front room in our pajamas. We're just going to work out. We're going to get in shape. Man, it's going to be fantastic. I mean, we're going to have buns of steel and all that good stuff, right? You want to know how long that that lasted? Because I don't feel those buns of steel. Okay, I'm just saying, it didn't last very long. Why? Because we didn't make it our own. We had this great idea. We had this great ambition about working out. But then we got started. And then what happened? Life started happening. Life started happening. Pretty soon it was like you'd wake up and you're like, I don't want to get up at 5 a.m. I want to get up at 6 a.m., right? And pretty soon the day gets long. Or pretty soon something happens. Or pretty soon somebody doesn't feel good. Or pretty soon somebody gets injured. Something always comes up. And then pretty soon what? It just fades away. For those of you who have been in the gym, you understand that in January, it's like the busiest month in any local gym. But come February 1st, man, it's a ghost town, right? Because everybody abandons it by February 1st, right? That's just what happens. But on this plan, I'm telling you something. This will begin to stick. Why? Because you got to start by making it your own. Paul says, not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I what? I press on to what? Make it my own. See, I love this about Paul. Paul's saying, you know what? I'm striving to make it my own. I realize it's not my own yet, but I'm going to make it my own. And so the first thing out of make it my own is we've got to develop an action plan. You and I need to develop an action plan in our lives. God will speak to you. God will give you, God will give you purpose. God will give you life goals. God will give you direction for your life. But you and I have to be responsible to build and develop an action plan. He's given you a brain. He's given you abilities. And you now have to figure out how you're going to incorporate that into your daily life. You know, um, a, few, a few months back, my wife and I got away and we were talking a little bit about some things, some goals, some things that we wanted to change. And one of the things that we talked about was date nights. We're like, we need more date nights, you know? And if you're married with kids, you understand this, right? You need date nights. In fact, I'm going to just, husbands, write it down. Date night for the wife. Come on, in the next 30 days, make a plan, make it happen. Come on, it's, it'll be well worth it, I promise, okay? But date nights. And so we started talking about that. Well, here's the thing. We can write on a piece of paper that we want to have date nights. But, here, but we have to develop a plan of action. One of us, probably me, needs to be responsible enough to what? To put it on the calendar. And then once it's on the calendar, I need to take it a step further. And I need to reach out to somebody. And I need to, I need to plan for child care. Somebody's going to look after my, my boys while my wife and I can have the opportunity to get away. And if we're going to get away during the day, on a, during a work day, i got to reach out to my boss. i got to reach out to Pastor Kelly. And i got to make sure that I can get time away. If she's going to be leaving for the day, i got to reach out to her boss and make sure she can get time away. i got to develop an action plan. If we're going to go to a nice restaurant that requires reservations, I better get on the phone and I better make a reservation. All these things need to be put into place. Why? Because it's part of developing an action plan. We have to be responsible to do that. So I want, I want you to see this for a moment because when we think about making it our own, we're talking about changing habits or developing new habits. And there's a lot of stuff out there on the internet right now that says in 21 days, you can change your habits. In 21 days, you can be a new person. In 21 days. Well, 21 days is a lie. Okay? It's a lie. Let me, let me read an article to you. It says, on average, it takes more than two months before a new behavior becomes automatic. In fact, 66 days to be exact. And how long it takes a new habit to form can very widely depend on the behavior that the person and the circumstances. 
In this study, it took anywhere from 18 days to 254 days for people to form a new habit. So you need to see something. If you and I want to make it our own and we develop an action plan, it's going to take more than a month. It's going to take more than maybe two months. It might take almost the entire year for you and I to establish an action plan that's ultimately going to make it our own, to really put handles on it, to grab hold of it so that you and I are going to do it and be faithful to it. Let me give you another example. How many of you guys have ever set out to read your Bible in a year? Come on, any takers? Come on. How many of you accomplished that in one year? Maybe a few, right? How many of you gave up your, your reading in a one year? Anybody give? Come on. Be, okay, a few of you out there. Yep, right? Why? Probably because you didn't put an action plan in place. You didn't truly establish a new habit. And so what happens? Sooner or later, you fail. So once you and I develop an action plan that works, the next thing we have to do is we have to own it. We have to own it. We can't just simply develop an action plan. You can't go to the boss and say, hey, I've got this new business proposition for you. Here you go. Right? The next step is you've got to own it. You've got to take it on. Let's, let's flip back to the Apostle Paul here for a minute this morning. The Apostle Paul says, I'm counting everything as rubbish. I'm counting everything as lost compared to gaining Christ. What did Paul do? Paul talked about it. Paul dreamt about it. Paul prayed about it. Everywhere Paul went, you knew what Paul was about. Why? Because Paul owned it. Paul said, this is my life purpose. No matter where I go, no matter if I'm in prison, no matter if I get stoned, no matter what opposition I face, I am going to own it. I'm going to make it mine. Why? Because this is my purpose. This is my life goal. And I'm going to see it through. And too often, we develop action plans, but we don't take initiative to make it our own. 1 Corinthians 9, listen to this. 9, you want to write this down. It's not in the notes. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Paul says, Do you not know that in a race that all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. So run that you may obtain it. If you have a life goal, if you have a purpose and you want to make it your own and you've developed an action plan, now it's your turn to begin to run the race. You know, back in high school, I was a runner for a short time and I ran the 100 meter, I ran the 200 meter and I ran the 4 by one relay. And we were a pretty good 4 by one relay team. We made it to state. We were very competitive. But I had to run the 200 meter. I say I had to because Track, believe it or not, is a team sport, and we needed the points for it. So I had to run it. Well, here was the problem. I was a great 100 runner, but I wasn't a very good 200 runner. So every time I ran the 200-meter race, I knew that I wasn't going to win. You know why I knew I wasn't going to win? Because everybody would always pass me. Every single time. First 100 meters, I'd have them all beat. The second 100 meters, they would all beat me. Every single time. But you know what? Every time I got on that track, every time I had to run that stinking race of 200 meters, you know what I did? I ran it with all the strength and energy that I could muster. Why? Because I desired so much to what? I wanted to make it my own. I was sick and tired of running a race for the purpose of just running a race. I wanted to win that race. And see, you and I need to come to that place when we've established something. When we have a purpose, we have a goal that we're willing to say, you know, I'm going to make it my own. Man, I'm going to set the alarm clock. I'm going to get up early. I'm going to pray about this. I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to dream about this. When people get around me, they're going to know what my life purpose is. They're going to know what my life goals are for 2018. Why? Because I talk about it all the time. Because it's important to me. Why? Because it's important to God. So we got to make it our own. 
by developing an action plan and by owning it. The second thing I see out of Philippians 3 this morning, and this is the piece that I really felt God put on my heart as a burden for us today, but hear me out on this one. We've got to forget about the past. We've got to forget about the past. Let's go just for a moment back to our key text here. What what does Paul say? He says, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. What one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. You and I need to learn to forget the past. We need to learn to let it go. I promise you, there are new successes. There are new failures. There are new challenges. There are new hurts and pains. There are new excitements. There are new adventures in your life, but you've got to forget the past. If you and I want to see something done in 2018, we've got to let go of the past. Listen to Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. He says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let Let me pause right there for a moment. Listen to that. Let us lay aside. You might want to highlight that in your Bible. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. What is he talking about right there? You know, several years back, I had a couple of friends. I mean, they were still friends, sort of. You have any friends like that? You know? Come on, talk to me. It's okay to talk. It's okay to interact. It's okay to smile. You guys doing okay out there? I'm I'm the only one getting excited. Okay, all right. So I had some friends that were really crazy because they, they were all about getting into uh, triathlons and, and Ironman races. And do you guys know what an Ironman race is? An Ironman race is an open water swim of over two miles. It's a bicycle ride of over 110 miles and a run of a marathon, a full marathon, which is over 26 miles. And it's all accomplished in one day. That's a lot, isn't it? I mean, I take one of those and I start cringing. <laughs> you know, I'm going to drown in the, in the swim. <laughs> There's no way I'm going to make it 110 miles on that bike. I mean, that's a long ways. But here's the thing. These guys, I used to run with them. I used to swim with them. And I used to ride with them until they went to a level that I couldn't achieve any longer. But here was the thing. They would set aside a certain diet and they would eat a certain way every single day. They would schedule workouts every single day in rotation, swimming, running, cycling. And they would do this for months on end. Why? Because they wanted their bodies to get to a place of maximum potential. Why? Because they didn't want anything to get in their way of achieving their goal. Now, these friends of mine, they've now done four or five different Ironman races throughout the world. And they've done well. They've succeeded very well. So when Paul's saying, let us lay aside every weight, he's not talking about stop eating sugary things. He's not talking about quit eating saturated fats. What he's talking about is he's talking about things in your life, not necessarily sinful things, but things in your life and mind that hinder us from achieving God's best in our lives. You see, sometimes we have to be willing to shut the TV off. Sometimes we got to be willing to set aside some of our comforts, not because they're wrong or bad, but because they're weighing us down. They're keeping us from achieving our ultimate potential in Christ Jesus. So Paul says, let us lay aside every weight and sin. You notice that? And sin. Why does he mention sin? Some of you in the room, you're saying, I'm a blood-bought Christian. I don't have sin in my life. I've I've been a believer for years. I don't have any sin. Well, false The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You and I still deal with sin in our lives. 
And he's saying, hey, we need to put aside the weight. We need to put aside the sin so that we ultimately can achieve our goals. Let's finish this verse together. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So if you and I are going to forget about the past, there's a couple specific areas that I want to talk to you about here this morning. The first one is this past success. Past success. Some of you had such success in your past that you're still living in it today. I mean, maybe five years ago, 10 years ago, 30 years ago, you were the man. I mean, people looked at you and they're like, look at that guy. I mean, he's the man, right? I mean, he's so successful and you're still living in that. And you know what happens when you live in past success? It makes you prideful, it makes you arrogant, and it makes you lazy when we live in the past. Listen to this. In Philippians 3, 4, and 5, Paul says this, Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day. Now, let me pause for a moment. I realize for you and me today, that's not a big deal. You know, you don't go running around saying, hey, I was circumcised on the eighth day. Are you with me, right? Come on. It's okay to laugh in church, guys. But back then, this was a big deal. People talked about this. I don't want to take it any further than that, but it was a big deal, okay? It was a big deal. Circumcised on the eighth day. He says, the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, and as to the law, a Pharisee. I mean, when, when Paul was Saul, he walked around and people looked at him and he was the man. He was impressive. People wanted to be him. They liked him and they looked up to him. But Paul had to forget about his past success. He says, I counted all as what? As rubbish. He says, it's, 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 all, it's not even worth it in comparison to knowing Jesus. Do you see that this morning? I want you to hear this. Some of us have been living in the past successes of our lives and it's robbing you from the future successes of today and tomorrow. Trust me, your, your time isn't up. Your life isn't over. God has many more mountains for you to climb, but you've got to learn to let go of past successes. Let's go on to the next one, past failures. Some of us are stuck living in past failures. Listen to Paul in Philippians 3, 6. He says, as to zeal, right? Excitement, passion, drive. As to zeal, he says, I was a persecutor of the church. You want to talk about a failure? I mean, Paul thought he was doing it all right until he met Jesus. And guess what he discovered? He was doing it all wrong. Why? Because he lived for self-righteousness when Jesus was ultimately his righteousness. He persecuted the very church that one day he ultimately would lead. One day he would have probably the most impact of, every, of any person that has ever lived apart from Jesus Christ. Paul, Saul, the persecutor of the church. He says, in that verse, he says, as to righteousness, under the law, blameless. In other words, self-righteous. You know what happens when we hang on to our past failures is we're skittish. We're skittish about the future. Well, hey, last time I tried that, I failed. You know, when I was trying to teach my son how to ride without training wheels, you know, he'd remember every time that he had fallen. And so it was really challenging, what? To push past his failures to help him to see that ultimately there was success on the other side. You see, God's looking at you today and he says, you know what? You're not a failure. 
You're not a failure. You may have failed at trying, attempting something in your life. You may have failed at a position. You may have failed as a parent or even as a spouse. But he wants you to know something. You're not a failure. And the fact is, if you let go of your past failures, you are going to find future successes. But you got to let go of the past. you got to forget the past. And the third one I want to mention this morning is this. Past wounds and scars. I want to say why I mentioned wounds and scars. Wounds are open source. Wounds are something that has not healed, where scars are something that has healed, but we're reminded that it's still there. I've got a scar on my finger right here. You can't see it. It's very small, but I sure can feel it because my finger's numb. About a, about a Christmas ago, I was cleaning a really sharp knife, and that knife went right through the tip of my finger. And when I say it, I can feel it going through my finger. And when I touch it, I can feel it, and it hurts, and it makes me nauseous. And I'm not sure what hurt worse, the knife in my finger or the needle that they shoved in it to numb it when they put seven stitches in it. Are, are you with me? I was talking to David this morning who was just recently in a, car, or in a car accident. He was telling me of when he was a kid, he got hit by this blade from a tractor right in his chest. And when he said it, he cringed. All, what, 30, 40 years later, David? And he still, to this day, he can remember the pain. See, that's what scars are like. Some of us are clinging on to our past wounds and scars. And because we're holding on to those things, we can't move forward with the future. So clinging to your past will rob you of your potential future. Let's go on to our third and final point this morning. So we know that we have to make it our own. We know that we have to forget about the past. Now, let me just make one little side note there. When you forget about the past, that doesn't mean you don't learn from your past. You know, if you touch an electric fence and it shocks you, don't go back and touch it again. That's just foolish, right? But maybe get somebody else to touch it for you, right? Are you with me, right? Come on. That's fun, right? But you got to forget it and you got to stop living in it. You got to stop living in it. But finally today is this, we've got to press on. We've got to press on. Make it your own, forget about the past, we've got to press on. You and I need to be ready for new success. You know, I believe in 2018 there will be success for you. I also believe in 2018 that there will be new failures for you. Why? Because if you live adventurous lives, if you try things, you're not always going to succeed. Do you know the most successful people in the world fail just as often as people that succeed? The difference is they keep trying. They keep trying. That's what you and I need to make it about. I love the fact, let's go back to our key text for just a moment. Paul says this in our, in our key text, Philippians 3, 4, uh, 12 through 14. Listen to it. He says it twice. Not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on. I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Twice Paul emphasizes that you and I have to press on. If you and I are going to achieve what it is that God wants us to achieve in 2018, you and I have got to press on. We've got to be willing to get back up in the midst of failure, in the midst of hurt and pain. We've got to be willing to get back up and to keep pressing on. We've got to keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus, knowing that he's our sustainer, knowing that he's our rewarder. You know, years ago, when I was 17 years old, I had a dating relationship. 
This is why I'm not a big fan of teenagers dating. Can I just be real with you this morning? My kids aren't going to date until they're like 20-something. I'm just going <laughs> to, you know. I've already warned them. I'm like, you guys don't even need to think about girls. I mean, just don't. But I was 17 years old. I was in a dating relationship. And one morning, my at-the-time girlfriend called, and she said, Stephen, I need to borrow a piece of luggage. I said, sure, right? You know, she was my girlfriend. So I'm driving this piece of luggage to her house. When on the way to her house, a semi turned right in front of me. And at 60 miles an hour, I smacked right into the diesel tank on the side of that semi. And ever since that moment in my life, I've had back issues. I've had back surgeries twice now. And after my first back surgery... I gained like 40 pounds, man. I mean, I was like, I was miserable. And I didn't know how life was going to be afterwards. But after a while, I started trying to press through the pain and press on and keep moving. I'm like, come on, I'm only 20-something years old and I'm, I can't be washed up. There's got to be more to life than this. And so I kept pressing on. And pretty soon, even though I wasn't sure I was ever going to be able to run again, I started running down. Do you guys know where Bush Park is in downtown Salem? This beautiful park with a sawdust path that runs all the way through. It goes down by the creek and there's trees and, and it's just gorgeous. You run through there in the early hours of the morning. It's just beautiful. And I, I started going out there and walking and then running and walking and running. And, but I had this verse and maybe I was taking that verse a little bit out of context, but I had this verse that I would quote over and over and over again as I continued to try to press on. And this is that verse, Philippians 4.13. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, I want you to see something this year. There's opposition to you and I achieving our purpose. There's opposition to you and I achieving our life goals. If your life goal is to, is, to, is to build a healthy marriage and a family so that your kids have a home to, to grow up in and to experience what it's like to be in that setting, well, praise be to God. But I'm telling you, there is opposition. The devil's out there and he does nothing but want to kill still and to destroy your life and your plan and your purpose. But you and I have to be willing to press on. We have to press on through the pain. We have to realize who's our cornerstone. We have to be willing to say, you know what? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Yes, opposition will come. Sometimes you're gonna lose your job. Sometimes the bills aren't gonna get paid. But you gotta be willing to stand up and say, you know what? God, you put me on this path. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. we got to be willing to stand upon that and press on in life. Exactly. <laughs> As the band comes this morning, I want you to remember that God is on your side. I want you to remember that he is for you. Listen to this phrase. Too often we settle for second best. But when you know it's God's plan and purpose for your life, don't settle for anything less than God's best. You see, life on purpose is going all in. Life on purpose is going all out. Life on purpose is facing things that are beyond your ability, that are beyond your comprehension. But you need to remember something. We serve the God of the impossible. 
We serve the God who parted the Red Sea. We serve the God who created the heavens and earth by speaking it. We serve the God who formed you out of the dust of the ground and breathed into your very lungs and made you a living being. We serve the God that even though we failed to sin, he sent his son to die a death and to rise from the dead so that we could have life. You need to understand something, church. We've got to be willing to press on and settle for nothing less than God's best in 2018. As we started this morning, I, Pastor Kelly was talking about the week of prayer. And I thought, oh, what a strategic moment for us as a church, for us as individuals, for us as families. I mean, what if we spent that week just seeking the face of God? I don't know about you, but there are times and seasons where it's dry. There are times and seasons where I'm like, God, I know you're there by faith, but God, I would just really like it if you could just show up right now in a tangible way. God, I would just really like it to be reminded that when I can't walk anymore, that you're still carrying me. God, I'd just like to be reminded that you're still there, that you're still fighting for me and with me. And what if we took this week of prayer and we said, God, we want to live life on purpose. God, we want to live life with you and for you. And what if we prayed, not just for the church, but for our families and for this community? We say, God, we believe you've put us here. How are we going to live life on purpose this year that's going to make a difference to the ones that we love, to the ones that we don't even know, but yet we're called to serve because we live in the city of Albany? But here's a couple of things I want you to think about as we go back into worship this morning. All this only becomes possible when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't know about you guys, but uh, my wife and I, we've celebrated 14 years of marriage. And for some, that's a long time. And for others, you're looking at me and you're like, son, you're just getting started. And I'm so thankful that you're out there leading the way for us and showing us that it's possible. Showing us that marriage is a lifelong gift from God and it's His plan. But you know something? That relationship with my wife depends on us being in communication all the time. It depends on us spending time together and planning date nights. It, it depends on us just taking moments to laugh before bed. It takes moments of getting together and praying. It takes those moments of interacting. And I want you to hear something. That's what it's like to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not just a prayer. It's not about going to church. Having a relationship with Jesus Christ is a day in, day in, day out experience. And if you're here this morning, and that relationship is nothing more than a one-time prayer back in 1969. It's time for you to make a fresh commitment. If knowing Jesus is about your attendance on Sunday morning or maybe because you're super Christian, a Wednesday night, I want you to know something. It's time to make a deeper commitment to Him. It's time to really know Him, to walk with Him. Or maybe you're here this morning and you're stuck in the past past successes, past failures. You're still living in the wound, wound. You're a victim. You've been hurt. And now everybody around you deserves to be hurt because you hurt. 
It's not God's plan for you to be wounded. It's God's plan for you to be whole. Or maybe this morning, that scar, every time somebody rubs against that scar, you get panicked. You think, oh no, we're going down that road again. And God's saying, you know, just trust me. Just trust me. Just walk with me. Forget about that scar. Yeah, it's there to remind you that some things do hurt in life, but trust me. Trust me with your life. Or maybe you're here this morning and all those years ago, God spoke to you. He gave you plan and purpose. But today, what you needed to hear most is he's saying to you, son or daughter, I want you to keep pressing on. I want you to keep pressing on. I know those grandkids aren't saved yet, but I want you to keep pressing on. I know those coworkers, they aren't calling on my name yet, but I want you to keep pressing on. I know that life has been hard. I know this hasn't been easy. I know that disease in your family has been challenging, but I want you to keep pressing on. So if one of those areas this morning is a challenge to you, what we're going to do is we're going to go into a time of worship. And I'm going to call you out this morning not to make you feel uncomfortable, but I believe in action. I believe in stepping out. I believe in living life on purpose. And so as I'm going to invite you to stand right now to your feet, stand to your feet. And we've got a couple songs that we're going to sing together. And we're going to worship God together because he's in this place. But if one of those areas speaks to you, I want you to just come find a space right up here. You can stand, you can kneel, you can do whatever. But this space is for you. This is, a, this is your moment to step out and say, you know what, 2018 is going to be different because on this day, I stepped out in faith. On this day, I made a decision that I could do all things through Christ who gives me strength. On this day, I made a decision to surrender all my life to him. On this day, I made a decision to let go of the past and allow his healing to come and to flow over my heart and my life. On this day, I got the strength to walk out of here to continue to press on, to live life for him, even though it's challenging, even though it is difficult and hard. I got what I needed to keep pressing on. So that's my encouragement to you this morning. I'm gonna pray and we're gonna worship. But if that's you today, just come find your space up here. And I believe each and every person, you're gonna find what you need this morning. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you this morning. I thank you, God, that it's your desire for us to live life on purpose. God, I think I'm so thankful that it's your desire for us to know you in such a deep, personal, passionate way. God, I thank you that it's your desire to restore us from past hurts and pains, to help us to let go of success and failures and to press on in you. God, I think, it's, I think I'm so thankful this morning that it's your desire to strengthen your people that have been discouraged, that have, that have been out there for too long and they've gotten, they've gotten weary and tired, but not today. Today's the day of strengthening. Today's the day of restoring. Today's the day of renewal. And I thank you, God, for what you alone have done and what you desire to do. God, we give you praise. Come and have your way as we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship together.